0: So Marvelites, welcome to this week of Marvel episode number three hundred and thirty-three. That's all the threes you could ever ask for. I'm Ryan Panagos, aka
1: Agent M, and I'm joined by Marvel.com assistant editor Tucker Marcus. What up, kid? Hey, boss. How you doing?
0: You know what? Huge thing: the release of Marvel's Wolverine: The Long Night exclusively oh, on so Stitcher Premium.
1: Excited?
0: Yeah, I listened to the the first two episodes because we released two episodes this week on Stitcher Premium, the first two of the ten. And uh it's it's cool. Richard Armitage plays Logan mm-hmm. in the show. His voice is so good. He's been gravelly uh you know been down and doing some <laughs> some
1: some stuff. It's so perfect. It is so perfect and he's so great in the role.
0: Yeah, yeah. He he nails it. It's cool. It's a story that's Set in Burns, Alaska, you follow these two agents who are sort of tracking some some business, and there's this mysterious uh, series of killings and people who are you know talking about things. And if you know if you listen to a lot of podcasts and and cool audio. These like audio dramas, yeah, scripted, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, experiences. This is just right up there. It's really yeah. good. One of the things, you know, I was listening to it on my my little Google Home device in in the house, mm-hmm. and the the sound quality is so good. The the foley effects and mm-hmm. just. You you feel like you're brought into the world really, really well. I have to listen to it on a device like that, not on my headphones, which I prefer when I listen to podcasts, because my wife really wanted to listen yeah, to it too. Yeah. So it's like a family experience now. We're yeah. listening to the show together. So it's super cool. And now your kitties get to listen too. Yeah. They're like, What, what what's going on? That Logan guy they're like <laughs> oh, me <meow>. out. <man. laughs> uh, so it's great. You guys can check it out. You go to Wolverine Podcast. .com you can sign up if you don't have Stitcher Premium already you can sign up for Stitcher Premium right there use the promo code marvel you get a free month i believe if you sign up now you're going to get to be able to check out four or five episodes mm-hmm. by the time you know you have run through your full month but you're going to want right. to you're going to ha- have to hear the full series come on yeah come on what are you what are you, <laughs> what are what are you talking what are you, what are you kidding about? me yeah come on so it's it's really cool Snicked. Wow. It's like I'm back on the show. (laughs) Or did you do all the foley work on the program, Tucker? No? Is that that a no? No, no. Okay, great. (laughs) Yeah, so all that stuff happened. I do want to give a shout out to Heather Antos. She has left. The Halls of Mighty Marvel, Heather was awesome. She was great. She worked on Deadpool books and the Star Wars books, one of which we will be talking about soon. Mm-hmm. Great editor, super cool person. I would always go down and talk to her about video games and Star Wars and different things. She has left to go do video game work. Yeah, uh, She's going to be working like in eSports. And, and so I'm, I'm proud to see her go and, and get a really cool gig, get a great career. And it's good to see
1: cool people doing fun stuff. Yeah, definitely. I remember when I was interning... And I recorded an episode of this show, and you were in conversation with Heather, and after the show was over, we talked about Star Wars, Star Wars comics, after the show was over, it was immediately after The Force Awakens premiered, Mm -hmm. and I was like, guys, don't go anywhere. Please, <laughs> please someone talk to me about this movie. <laughs> and we just sat there very, and had a great conversation. Yeah, I remember yeah. it really well.
0: That's awesome. I saw this weekend, the Brooklyn Museum has a David Bowie exhibit that originally was at the Victorian Albert Museum. Mm. And I bring it up here because I think about how influential David Bowie has been to like everything, yeah. but in particular how influential he is to our writers and our artists in the way they they think about art and taking chances and changing and storytelling. And so this exhibit at the Brooklyn Museum was incredible. Mm. I think we spent three hours there. Wow because it's massive and you get to see all his costumes, his handwritten notes for all the songs wow. and 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 various different things and you know going through it I was like it, he has comic books that he worked on oh, and really? stuff like that and really really cool things. Oh, that's awesome. If you get a chance to be in Brooklyn and go to the Brooklyn Museum it is well worth the trip. Oh, that's great. And and you know it was also sad because we lost Bowie early Mm-hmm. earlier than we would have yeah, liked. But yeah. also we we learned that Dr. Stephen Hawking passed away yes. just the night before we recorded this. Mm-hmm. So again, that's another person who was super influential into a lot of the ways that our creators think about stories. You know, the way he he helped us understand the universe yeah. helps a lot of our writers and artists think about telling stories and, and developing you know, the possibilities. You think of a guy like Mark Wade, who has degrees in physics and he's telling stories about the microverse mm-hmm. in Ant-Man and the Wasp mm-hmm. or so many things. And a lot of that is possible because of a guy like Stephen Hawking. Yeah,
1: completely. Yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, we, mourn, we mourn that loss. I just want to let you guys know to tune in to next week's episode of Earth's Mightiest Show because I'll be talking about the new book, by Jimmy O Yang with Jimmy himself. He's one of the stars of Silicon Valley.
1: So funny.
0: Yeah, uh, he was he was a good time. We played a game with him. That was that was a fun little interview that I did with him. And uh, he he tells some interesting things. <laughs> uh, we, we, had, we had a good conversation, but uh, he was neat, and we played a game about America on EMS. So Very check that out.
1: Not that and that that's not Gabby Rivera's America.
0: No, we, we, but but America does show up in the game. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It, it all comes together. Interesting. Yeah. We are getting close, hopefully, on a permanent new voice for This Week in Marvel. I, I'll just give you all listeners a tease that that will hopefully be happening soon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So awesome.
0: Little note it's coming up in a couple of weeks, but I'll be at C2E2 in Chicago. I'd love to know if any of our This Week in Marvel. Listeners will be there. Uh, I'll be, you know, I always host panel or two and uh, do some events and I'm happy. I want to see the fans and talk to people. Uh, we'll do some stuff at the the Marvel booth, but it should be cool. I'm excited. The guest list for the
1: show is bonkers. Oh, awesome. When you're in Chicago, mm. what are your what are your food musts?
0: So there's uh, what's the name of the, the quote unquote pizza place? I go to Pequod's, I think. <laughs> Look. I'm going to be real with you. I'm a New Yorker. You are. That ain't pizza. Yeah. It's a delicious dish. It's a casserole. It is. It is something that- Oh, man. Farewell to
1: listeners in Illinois.
0: Whatever, (laughs) man. We'll go toe to toe. I'll give you some real pizza. Come to my town. But yeah, it's great. I absolutely love deep dish. I love it. But to me, it's not pizza.
1: Chicago is the- Place with the casserole.
0: <laughs> wow, you did it again, The Tom.
1: Union Stockyard <laughs> and C2E2. Michael Jordan <laughs> for the win.
0: That's it. That's, That's good. It. We did it. That's a great... Chicago, you can have that song for free. There you go. But what you can't have for free are the new comics that are out this week. If you missed it, the pull list has the full rundown of all the books, and we have pulled out our three favorites. For us to dig a little bit deeper. I'm gonna go first with one of my picks, which is All New Wolverine number 32. This is written by Tom Taylor, art by Jibril Morissette Fan, and colors by Nolan Woodard, letters by Corey Petit. I was looking at because we, we put together the Twimmy's list. Like, mm-hmm. what are the books that we picked? Looking at the twimmies list, and it was like all new Wolverine 31, all new Wolverine 32. Oh, Just yeah. I think X-Men Red might have been in there. It's uh-huh. like Tom Taylor, man. Yeah. As a mean, writer, crushes he's, consistently. He's he's coming in there hard, and I can't help it. I can't help but love this book. It's it's like everything I want. It's funny, it's got heart. In this one, we don't have a ton of Honey Badger. I don't even know if Honey Badger shows up in it at mm-hmm. all. Uh, sadly, Pinagos the Pelican, not, <laughs> not in it at all, which I think is a travesty, but we'll we'll get to that in another time. This one is is cool because in the previous arc we had Laura and and her family sort of dealing with the repercussions of their actions mm-hmm. over the years. Mm-hmm. And, and seeing the fallout of, hey, you know, when Laura was a kid, she was trained by the people who basically made her into a killer to turn into a monster, right. right? And she killed a lot of people. Against her will, you know, they they had this trigger scent. They made her do these terrible things. And so the this group, the Orphans of X, were the people who— were left after you know like someone's parents were killed. Mm-hmm. Well this person grows up and has this grudge. Right. And so there was that whole great story about those people and the result of that was Laura being like, "Look, I'll work with you. Mm-hmm. Let's I was a victim, you're victims, let's find the people who hurt us all." Right. And so this is a really cool just one and done story about her connecting with one of the people mm-hmm. who she has a, actually a very deep connection yeah, to in crazy, this
1: crazy, crazy backstory that just makes their relationship so complex and interesting.
0: Yeah, like last year we had uh Craig Kyle on the podcast to talk about Laura and cre- uh, help working on creating her and developing mm-hmm. her, and so we talked about his original series, the X23 Limited series, and so this actually ties in, very specifically ties into the original X-23 2005 limited series by Craig Kyle, Chris Yost, and Billy Tan. And that she was trained to be uh, this this child assassin. They they actually, the this group used Laura to assassinate a presidential candidate. Mm. And, you know, in that original limited series, you see it from this one perspective. And it's horrible. It's brutal. Mm-hmm. But here we see it from a different perspective where the woman that Laura teams up with here we see her dad was a Secret Service agent mm-hmm. and was one of the people that Laura killed. And you have this heartbreaking moment where this man is sees this child right. killing all these people. And he's like, please, I, like pointing a gun at her. I don't make me do this. And she just murders him because she has, she's not in control. She's right. blinded yeah. by the anger and the rage from her, the trigger scent that has been developed into her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have this cool moment of Laura and the woman. Sort of feeling each other out, figuring out what they're gonna do. And Laura's like, I found this guy. I know who did this to us, this specific incident. Right. Let's go get him. He he went. He fled. He's gone underground. He's like offshore, being a, a, a you know, a sleaze ball mm-hmm. away from the world. And there's a, a a terrific moment in here where Laura's like, I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta do this. And the woman's like, I'm coming with you. And Laura's like, no. You're, you're not. I could do this by myself. And the woman is like, no, I'm coming. She's trained. She knows how to fight. She's. She says, <clears throat> I'll try not to kill him, but I will definitely hurt him. And then Laura has this great line, one of my favorites of the week. She says, of course, you should most definitely pack some extra large nazi stopping boots. Uh-huh. And it's just <laughs> this great moment. Which has payoff later in the issue. Oh, does it? Tremendous payoff. And so they go to this, you know, this like remote island where this guy has he owns a resort, and you know he's he's living off the fat of the land. Mm -hmm. The fat of the land means he's got a resort, and (laughs) he's there. There's great altercations. You know, there's violence, of course, but there's also like sensible, heartfelt talking, which is an important thing in a book like this where you're trying to get across like how. Much these characters have lost, mm-hmm. and it's not just about the violence. It's not just about getting revenge. Right. It's about closure, and so there's so much cool moments of closure here. And the art is gorgeous. You know the way Jibril draws Laura in a a flower print shirt yeah. is is so <laughs> off putting, yeah, because that's not the character you think of, but it works so well. It adds to that flavor of her trying to move past so much the boots show up at the end it's a great issue it's funny the dialogue between the the, the characters solid can't speak highly enough of this and i think we're going into old woman laura yeah after this which yeah. is going to be wild
1: so cool such a great idea uh speaking of kind of tropical locales we drop in on one After an incredible intro in Star Wars Darth Vader number 13, which is my pick of the week, I have loved this series throughout every single issue. It's so, so good. Every issue just introduces new elements, like new levels of badassery to this character. Every issue. But this one was just super special for me.
0: Tucker, what do they call Star Wars nuts? Like, you know, you have your... Trekkers? Trekkies? Right. Mm. Uh, You call them (laughs) Worsies?
1: No, that that sounds bad. Uh, That's a great question. I don't know. I don't know. Like, just uh, Star Wars fans, Hmm. I guess. I was anti-climactic. Yeah. I was hoping we'd have you. Completely. You being. There was no emphatic answer.
0: Yeah. You being one of the biggest Star Wars fans (laughs) I know, I was hoping. Well, that's an honor.
1: Uh, yeah, it's without question. <laughs> anyway, continue. The number issue number thirteen is written by Charles Soule. Pencils are by Giuseppe Coley, Inks are by Danielle Orlandini. Colors are David Curiel. Like I said, you know, this entire series has been so 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 good. Every issue. One something about Star Wars is you you always wonder, uh, you know, whether. It's from a fan's perspective or from a creator's perspective, whatever medium that might be in. There's just a point that floats out there in the universe that is so specifically Star Wars in tone, in its visuals, in the storytelling. And, you know, you always wonder, like, does someone get it? Like, if you get it, you really get it. And Charles Saul gets it so Hard. I mean, not just the kind of rules and limitations of the universe, of course, but the soul of it all and what makes it so powerful on an emotional level, what makes it so epic uh, on, on this kind of grand kind of mythical level. This issue starts out with a flashback, a really fascinating flashback to the battle on Mustafar that we see in episode three, Revenge of the Sith, between Obi-Wan and Anakin. And it's towards the end of the battle. And we pick up right at the end with Obi-Wan kind of looking over this river of lava. And we see him and he delivers his line, his famous line, it's over Anakin, I have the high ground. And then there's this just awesome close up, But instead of Anakin Skywalker standing there on the platform on the river, it's Darth Vader. And he's this kind of fully realized Vader- fully powered version of himself that Vader is clearly looking back on now and revising this history in his mind. And he says, you know, you underestimate my power, don't try it. And then, of course, where Anakin once in reality leapt through the air attempt to make his, his final attack on Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan chops off his legs, chops off his arm, his real arm, kind of leaves him there kind of in, in embers this time that it whole
0: goes
1: it's <laughs> so upsetting to me. yeah
0: why would you do that yeah. even if your friend like if your friend turns super evil like you're letting him suffer
1: yeah i C- mean kill him sure. or take him with you
0: try I, to find a way to help
1: sure i i i am completely there i, I it's it's a really difficult moment and, and i think it's that is the power of this kind of culmination of the the prequel stories and of these two brother's relationship and and that's why that's what's so emotional about it and i think it's it's pretty interesting that in vader's mind we're only seeing him start the story there we see him Mm. start the story right when obi-wan kind of challenges him yeah it says it's over now i won instead of the moment that we come to a little bit after vader essentially, instead of trying to leap through the air, instead of making that attack that way, like actually happened, he just lifts him, kind of force chokes him through the air, slams him down. It's just brutal in in the kind of anger that he is kind of revising this story. Obi-Wan's line where he says, you were my brother, Anakin, I loved you, is kind of snuffed out by the fire and flame that Obi-Wan is then consumed by in this revisionist history, in this memory that Vader is creating as we flash towards the future and he's in his little Vader egg.
0: It's like a kinder egg. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's yeah, yeah. Just like he's a He's the little egg. surprise in the middle. Yeah.
1: He's, you know, so Vader is meditating and he kind of envisioned all that.
0: What I think is also so important and powerful about all this is giving voice and vision to Vader's rage. Yeah. And Vader's anger. And mm-hmm. what is, what is at the core of what's driving him mm-hmm. at this point? Because, you know, like we've had so many years of Vader being cool and he's, he's scary, and he's dangerous and getting into his head yeah. is... So friggin' awesome. Yeah.
1: That that is something that I really loved. I've talked about it on the podcast a little bit before of the kind of visualization of the mentality of certain characters. And it's a really cool dimension that comic books can get into in a really unique way. We see it in Amadeus Cho's Hulk we kind of see how like he visualizes in his head the kind of struggle between the Hulk and Amadeus. And what that shares in common with Darth Vader is, you know, when he's meditating, we've seen him kind of floating above this ocean of fire that is his his inner mind. And it's so dark and so kind of frightening and just filled and fueled by pure rage. And it's really interesting because this story arc is called Burning Seas. So I'll see, you know, we'll see how, that's reflected in Vader's, you know, uh, mental state as it is physically and literally with where he goes, because after he has that meditation, after he has that vision, he goes and visits with the emperor who tells him that there is essentially that the, we're, we're witnessing the empire put its thumb on the scale of the of the galaxy. It's pushing things into their favor. It's making sure everyone is being controlled. It's making sure every single planet and every system is being obedient to the emperor's Will into the empire at whole. So Moncala is one of the most kind of. Well-known, I would say, like, Star Wars planets that we never got to see in the films. And that is one of the planets where, like, there's there are kind of rumbles of resistance, of of rebellion, of uprising against the Empire. And the Emperor says, we need to go there and shut it down before it becomes an actual issue.
0: Slippery fish people, man. Uh,
1: yeah, these slippery <laughs> fish people. Uh, it's really interesting. We get some tie-ins to a great character from Rogue One, Admiral Raddus, who is not in kind of the military command that we see him... You know, later on, which I believe this story takes place about three years after uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith, uh, whereas Rogue One takes place about, you know, 15, 17 years after this story would. But it's interesting as those little stories are dotted in. And that's one of my favorite things about these about the Star Wars story.
0: I'm glad you're the one like you're picking up on that stuff because I didn't even realize I didn't <laughs> right. connect those dots. Right. For yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. That, yeah, yeah. That's like that's a neat little little Easter egg. Are you completely skipping over Tarkin? You, yeah, it, you got the not yet grand moth, but the grandest of moths.
1: Yeah, I mean the the moth is grand.
0: Yeah, at this point he's what Governor Tarkin? <laughs> yeah, I think they call him. Yeah, he's yeah. not he's not fully ascended to grand moth yes, status.
1: Right, and they do call him Governor Tarkin, which is a very a little a little other interesting note that kind of adds weight to what Leia addresses him as when she gets first taken aboard his ship in A New Hope, um, and she addresses him. And, and, and calls him Governor Tarkin, mm. uh, uh, which is, is kind of, it's funny because we know him as Grand Moff Tarkin. So yeah. I guess, you know, it, it, unaddressed, it's fine and it works perfectly. But when you put this in and you kind of infuse it with the fact that like, yeah, he Somewhere in here, he got a promotion. Yeah. And like that, that is just Leia kind of like giving him a little dig of like just calling him like by his old job title is really, really awesome. It just infuses those tiny moments with so much. Do you like bad lip reading? Oh, yeah.
0: Did you see the new bad lip reading? No, I didn't. There's a new bad lip reading of Tarkin and Leia and it's one of their songs. <laughs> it is delightful. Oh, I got to show you. And it especially out. if you're reading, like I read this and ju- and then saw right, that. right. So it's a lot of Tarkin in there. <laughs> right. Primo.
1: Yeah, I got to watch that. So yeah, uh, talking is is part of this kind of operation to make sure to put down any kind of uh, whispers of unrest on Mon Cala. He sent, uh, and the the Emperor sends the uh, three Inquisitors down as well as Darth Vader himself. You know, it's it's really interesting to see the kind of the little the kind of political intrigue and the kind of little rumblings. Uh, that are going on, on this kind of ocean, tropical ocean planet, because it's not full out rebellion. It's not full out war. It's just, there's kind of little things. It's it's more of a philosophical difference coming from the Mon Calamari and, you know, their perspective on their, you know, their self-rule and sovereignty versus the kind of the rule of the empire. So it's interesting to see that happen. The ending is just really, really, really interesting. Tarkin is kind of Kind of led the 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 this kind of assault on Mon Cala, and then we jump elsewhere right at the very end, and we see a hooded figure, not revealed, no idea who it is. It's me. Uh, it's you. Yep.
0: It's Benagus the Pelican. Yep. Benagus the Pelican <laughs> back in Star Wars lore,
1: <laughs> and it's it's so fascinating because that character, we don't know who it is, we don't know how they know this, but they know. Vader's identity. And that's where we leave off. We don't know where this is going. I'm super excited though for the next issue because I tweeted about this recently, but Giuseppe Camicoli did the cover for issue number uh 14, which comes out on April 11th, and it is one of my favorite covers. That's I've a camo seen. cover? And yeah.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah, I've
1: seen in so long. It's like Vader kind of in this kind of foggy, smoky water, kind of just like stalking something or someone. It looks so cool. I'm s so, I am i can not wait to have this in my hands.
0: Am I misremembering? Is there a shot in Predator of Arnold Schwarzenegger face up coming out of the water?
1: Yeah, that sounds right. I yeah. think so, right? Yeah. And that's yeah, yeah, what that yeah. reminds me yes. of. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah. That that's it's, a it's predatory. Yes. Yeah.
0: It's that's a great word for Yeah. It. yeah. Man,
1: Cabo's yeah. so good. Uh, it's so good. Uh, anyway, I, I I love this issue because it, it it really just like I said, it's those little moments where it ties into Radis, it ties into Governor Tarkin, it ties into the larger lore, and makes the 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 these kind of other stories that may have existed for a couple years or may have existed for forty years, and just kind of elevates them in just these little little tiny ways that make it so so fun to read, as well as Charles's command of the character and of the world, and Giuseppe's just. Some art. Yeah, this book just on an issue by issue basis is one of my favorites.
0: For sure. And last book of the week is one half of this week's Chip Zip Double Dip. Hashtag Chip Zip Double Dip. Oh, if yeah. you follow Chip Zidarski on Twitter, <laughs> you will know that. He is the writer. Art on this is by Valerio Schietti. Colors by Frank Martin. Letters by Joe Caramagna. And this is, this is Marvel 2-in-1 number 4. I got confused because there's a two under right, the four, right, right. and I just went, "Wait, um, it's number four, right? We've already read like three issues of this." <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. this is number four, and uh, man, Valerio Skiti, so good. So I remember good. Valerio started doing work that like really started to slap me in the face in uh, the Sif book that Catherine Eminent was writing years ago, oh, cool. and he drew Sif in like she was freaking badass and cool, and the way he drew her clothing and her swords and the, all the energy in mm-hmm. his in his art is mm-hmm. is just apparent, and it happens here. He's also freaking amazing at designing things. Yeah. So in this issue, he gets to design I assume it's all him. His uh, right. design, this new look for the Fantastic Four. They're mm-hmm. not quite the four here. It's Thing, Johnny, and Dr. Rachna Cowell. They are exploring. But these these cool looks, it's like this is a jacket I want to wear. Yeah. This is a public plea to Marvel licensing. <laughs> give me this jacket. Yeah, it's awesome. let me buy this. Yeah, yeah. Or it, preferably have someone give me <laughs> this to wear on a video. Because yeah. it's dope. It's this like white and blue and this, you it's know. like muted. a racer
1: jacket. Yeah. yeah
0: like a racer explorer jacket yeah. thing has one on <laughs> uh, his has like short sleeves johnny has one on it looks real good on him rachna has one has like a full suit they just it looks really really cool
1: yeah it, it's funny that you 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 bring up the design specifically valerio is obviously taking over on art or he's starting on art alongside dan slot with tony stark iron man coming this summer but just this week we put up an article online that showed some of his concept art for for some new tony stark suits for like like Stark Tower for a lot of stuff, and it's so cool to get a behind-the-scenes look at like his incredible design process.
0: Yeah, he does a t- even more designing in here because this issue has the team, our, our three, right now going to alternate universes. They travel into the multiverse to go and try and track down where the Richards family is. Mm-hmm. They they have some technology that Doctor Cole has developed. Based on a piece of tech that Reed Richards left for Ben. And so they're sort of tracking an energy signature and they go through the multiverse. There's this beautiful, very Kirby esque. That's another thing about Valerio. He does Kirby type weird and, and trippy, as well as, you know, like machinery and different elements so well he hits that note mm-hmm. so perfectly you get them in like this space between oh, that. universes yeah. right it's galaxies and and beautiful colors from frank martin uh and and johnny storm freaking out because it's <laughs> so big and crazy and then boop they go into this other universe and so this other universe seems like theirs but it's not mm-hmm. and so you get another chance for valerio to design some uh, new looks for characters. We see cool shield outfits for She-Hulk and Wolverine. They're like similar to things we've seen but they're just different right. enough but also unique and relevant enough to what you know. It's, it hits all the right notes. Yeah, yeah. It looks great. Of course, heroes fighting heroes. It's one of those great classic moments uh, Chip nails it of the good guys are here and they see another bunch of good guys and then one doesn't trust the other one. So they get into some fighting at first and yada, yada, yada. And eventually they have to come together to figure out something bigger. There's a great moment in here where this alternate universe, Wolverine, is like, no, you're a scroll uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And stabs Johnny and this beautiful silhouetted scene. And mm-hmm. you just get Ben Grimm raged at. Yeah, yeah. Like he's so angry. It's like unhinged. Ben Grimm it's so cool we go to that we get to see one of my favorite things in comics is exploring an alternate reality Mm -hmm. and why and how this reality diverged from the one that we know is fascinating yeah you know and it, it sort of lets Valerio and lets Chip dip into that Stan and Jack history Valerio goes bonkers with the Kirby stuff here I mean I'm looking at a splash page with this Beautiful piece of Kirby tech yeah. that Reed Richards is working on. He's got Reed. He's all stretchy. You've got Kirby Crackle all around. Frank Martin's colors are blue and, and, and bright and vibrant. And then you contrast it with Reed Richards, who looks old and 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 beaten. Yeah. And you find out why he's beaten. And it all comes back to Galactus. So then you get to have Chip and Valerio and company do the coming of Galactus retelling of it mm. here and where it diverges is absolutely heartbreaking and wonderful mm-hmm. and weird and intense Yeah, uh, because it involves Galactus. It involves one of the Fantastic Four's major villains and supporting characters. And it's it's such a well-told story. You could pick this up if you've not been reading this book already, which yeah. you should be because it's it's really great, but you could pick it up. You could dive right in. You get snippets of where Ben and Johnny are in their heads, in their hearts, mm-hmm. and in their journey, and then you get this whole other reality. It's so much packed into this. Chip and, and company doing so well. Um, I can have a little bit of Chip news in a couple of minutes. that
1: Ooh, I'm excited to share. I'm so excited, too. Yeah.
0: But these are great books. We loved them. We loved a lot of books out this week. So if you missed it, check out Marvel's The Pull List, which has the full rundown on everything out this week. All right, so from the new comics out this week to the new news. New new, new news. news. It just felt like yesterday where we were talking about all the new books coming out in May. Yeah. But now it's time to look ahead to June because the full slate of June's Marvel comics releases mm-hmm. will be revealed, like, I think next week. Yeah. You know, so this episode will be released on the sixteenth. Those books will be a, you know, the whole catalog will be out hopefully in a couple days from you reading this, but there's some choice bits of news to share. There's a Dazzler one shot. It's called Dazzler X song. It's by Magdalene Visaggio and Laura Braga. It's got punks and humans and friggin' Dazzler. I love Dazzler (laughs) so much. Yeah, it's stupid. So I'm very excited for this. And we haven't had much of any work by Magdalene yet at Marvel. So she, uh, she's a great writer. She's done a bunch of other stuff. I think she either Won an Eisner or is Eisner nominated? Super cool. Awesome. She's great. So having her at Marvel will be wonderful.
1: Included in uh, the issues coming up is monumental. It's the Dan Slot's last issue of Amazing Spider Man. It's issue 801 with art by Marcos Martin. It's so exciting. I In an interview that we had with Dan, he mentioned that he and Marcos worked together on some issues a ways back. Do you know which ones those were? I don't
0: remember the exact numbers, but Marcos worked on a bunch of stuff for us for a while. He went and he did some creator-owned stuff. Um, So this is really like, we haven't had him back doing many things. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it was so interesting because Dan was talking about how he loved working with Marcos so much. And years ago, he told him, he knows his last story. He knows what his final issue is going to be. And he wants Marcos to come back for just that one. And it's happening, folks. It's going to be incredible. I mean, just that's just two monumental upon monumental issues of Amazing Spider-Man right in a row. Number 800, which is going to be huge and crazy and fantastic. And then this farewell issue to Dan Slot number 801. I cannot wait. I can't wait.
0: I will put Dan's total run on amazing spider-man up there with any running yeah. comics right you know like yeah. your you're walt simonson's uh, on thor you're jason on thor you're stan and jack all right maybe not stan and jack on fantastic four i think that is <laughs> separate and apart yep. from yeah. literally every yeah. comic ever created yeah. you yeah. cannot beat what they put together yeah. and did but dan's run on amazing spider-man is is fantastic mm-hmm. what he if you look at the arc for peter over the last ten years, the ups and downs, the the characters that were created, brought in, developed the villains, the heroes, the side characters, the develop like everything mm-hmm. is is astounding. Yeah, it's astounding. I mean,
1: it's an ocean of work, and to see it culminating here, and to know as Dan is so brilliant to to know that so much is going to be packed into these final issues is just I mean. There, there are no words. Yep. We also
0: have the first part of Wakanda Forever by Nettie Okorafor and Alberto Jimenez Albuquerque. It's a story about Okoye, Ayo, and Anika leaving Wakanda to protect Wakanda. It's like them mixing it up with other superheroes. So it's cool. This first one is with Spider-Man. And so Nettie, she wrote the Black Panther story that has been going on. It was a digital first Comicsology exclusive mm-hmm. deal. So if you haven't checked that out, really good. She's an amazing novelist. So it, it's cool. This is a, a three-part story that we're going to dive into starting
1: in June. I'm excited for that one. Yeah, it's going to be great. Hashtag Wakanda forever. We've got the 50th issue
0: of Ms. Marvel, which is the 31st of this current run. But I, I like this one. I, I wanted to point this one out because it's a big old kind of jam issue with Kamala mm-hmm. having a sleepover and also saving the day in Jersey City. But it's G. Willa Wilson and Nico Leone. But they're joined by Saladin Ahmed, Rainbow Rowell, and more. I love when you have like those issues where the, the, like, the core creative team is joined by people who just have this love for the yeah. characters. Yeah. And they just want to tell a little story in a book that they're not normally playing in. Yeah, completely. You know, Saladin and Rainbow have their titles Mm -hmm. and G Willow is doing Ms. Marvel. And that's, that's her book. Yeah. But getting them all to mix together is so fun.
1: Yeah, Yeah. It's so cool to, to know that Kamala Khan has just become like this giant character in, in the last, over the course of the last, you know, several years. I mean, it's it's It feels like such an unlikely success story, and that's why it's so great. And to know that she's one of our best characters, it just makes me so happy.
0: Yeah. And mm. there's believe me when I say there's only more to come. Ooh. Um, all right. All Ages Goodness it comes out in June from my friend Jim McCann and artist Dario Brusella in Marvel Superhero Adventures, Webs and Arrows and Ants, Oh My. Get it for the kids. Get it for the kids. Uh, this is something that I, I get asked on Twitter a bunch. It's like, yeah. hey, what comic can I give to a, a kid? Mm-hmm. And so- there's a lot that yeah. you can get. We have a lot of Marvel Adventures, Marvel Ages books, older comics that have been out for a while. But this Marvel Superhero Adventures is a brand new sort of endeavor. Jim's great. Jim's a sweetheart. Uh, I adore him. And him writing this is great. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. And as I alluded to when we we're talking about Marvel 2 and 1, you've got that chip zip double dip happening this week with Marvel 2 and 1 and Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man. But- it so happens that Mr. Chip Zadarski is now a Marvel-exclusive writer. Seems very appropriate for this week. Also, man, he's so good.
1: Oh, he's one of my favorites. Yeah. I, I'm so, so, so excited about this news. Get ready for more double-chip dips coming, coming in the future. You somehow made that extra weird. What did you do? Double-dip-chips.
0: I, I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Ugh. Chip! Exclamation mark. Chip's great. Follow him on Twitter for fun. I like when when creators are like, they have to hype their books and tell people what's coming out and all that stuff, but they do it in fun ways. Yeah. Chip is one of those who
1: just gets you excited to check out the books. One of the most most singular voices out there. And yeah, he's so good. In other comics news, we have official confirmation of X-23 number one. It's going to be written by Mariko Tamaki, art by Juan Cabal, who's done such amazing work on All New Wolverine alongside Tom Taylor. I cannot wait. It's coming this summer. Laura is going back to the X-23 mantle as another dude that as the other name is back around and uh, hanging out in the Marvel Universe once again. It's so cool to see Mariko. She's coming over from She-Hulk, which she does such amazing work on. And I'm so excited to see her take on Laura Kinney and Gabby and everyone in the X-23 family. It's going to be so, so great.
0: So who do I need to talk to to make sure that Pinago's the Pelican <laughs> and Jonathan the Wolverine are 100% in this series?
1: Well, I mean... Juan has drawn them before, yep. I think so. I mean, he, he you know, he he's I guess he's he's trained for it. His hand is ready. Yeah. It's just Mariko. It's it's up to you. The fans <laughs> are demanding it. There are people outside the the Marvel offices right now. They're protesting there are picket lines there are signs Let's say, saying
0: we want the pelican we want panagos we, we want, want the pelican, pelican. We, we want, want panagos <laughs> so you can hear them right now yeah, yeah, yeah. it's great
1: so yeah can't wait for that look out for that coming later this summer
0: yeah on the game side one little bit of info that bishop is coming to marvel Contest of champions my favorite mutant yeah he's the best yeah and if he doesn't have a mullet then i will <laughs> throw my phone in the garbage <laughs> how about that that's a little sample of the news out this week. Always check news.marvel.com. Check Marvel social media for all the latest updates. But now we have a little interview. I did. We did.
1: We we did.
0: We did. Yeah, I was like, you were there, Tucker. Yeah, yeah. You asked great
1: questions. <laughs> you, you killed it in that interview
0: uh, with Mr. Michael K. Williams from Sundance TV's Happen Leonard, as well as, of course, The Wire and Boardwalk Empire. And so
1: much else. You One just, of my favorite actors. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes.
0: you. Yeah. You were having the best time oh, with this I interview. I
1: absolutely was. I, I I was told that I was glowing afterwards. <laughs> I had so much fun.
0: Yeah. We had Michael here before. We talk about it in the interview, but that's episode 37.5. Yeah. So think about that. It's almost, almost 300
1: episodes ago. Right?
0: That is, that, that's nuts to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's 300 full, like, full length episodes ago i mean that's got to be well over in terms of just the little minisodes and oh everything. yeah the minisodes yeah. you yeah.
0: add another 100 200 yeah. Yeah. episodes yeah. <laughs> of that uh, anyway it was great always love having him here and i gave him a bunch of comics and he was so happy he's like my son is gonna love these yeah. and so that is a thing that just brings me joy yeah, yeah. is giving people comics and knowing that they're gonna go to someone who's going to absolutely
1: love them yeah yeah
0: all right so check out our interview with michael k williams
1: so michael I am so interested. We talked briefly before we got started. You've seen Black Panther. Yes, I did. As an actor, as a fan, what are your thoughts? What were your initial reactions to the movie?
2: Proud. Yeah. Uh, Number one, very proud. It was very well done. I'm extremely proud of Michael B. Jordan having been an alumni from the wire to see where he's gone in his career and where he's about to go. I felt like a very proud big brother. (laughs) I was also very proud to see How Marvel, the studio, put out the movie. Mm -hmm. They didn't just, you know, put out the Panther story. They bet on it. The promotion, the rollout, the excitement, the buzz. It was just it had all the classic drippings of like a major Hollywood release movie. And then the storyline, you know, and the performances matched. Yeah. It was just a win win across the board.
0: We're here at Marvel headquarters. It's been almost six years since you, you've been here before yes, sir. we had you by we had actually had you on this week at marvel it was like episode 37 and a half way back when and i remember i was listening back to it you were so excited being here and walking around the office with thor's Thor hammer yes, yeah uh, so i apologize we don't have a, a hammer for you to walk around with
2: <laughs> and just so
0: you know what's been going on with you in the last couple of years
2: you yeah, know, well, the last five years, uh, there were some... The two most phenomenal things that happened in my life career-wise was The Night Of and Black Market on Vice with Michael K. Williams. Those shows made me reevaluate myself. I had to recalibrate, you know, slip into some darkness. Those shows were very intense, and it took a lot, took a, a huge toll on me personally. I came out of that, and it was also one other show, When We Rise. Mm. Those three shows back-to-back, it made me really reassess who I was what my role meant, and what was my purpose in life. You know, today I have my foundation, MKW, which stands for Making Kids Win. I just wrapped my documentary surrounding juvenile criminal justice system in America. Mm. The working title is Diamond in the Rough. That's also with Shane Smith advice, but it's going to air on HBO sometime in the near future. You know, I'm just very excited. I'm, I'm about to produce my uh, first only feature film, again, through Vice for Fox, Searchlight, based on a book I optioned uh, from, from a childhood friend of mine. The name of the book is called Bishop, and this film will be that as well. So I've been um, living in that world, and I'm very excited. I'm really proud of the doc. What makes this doc different, it's not shock TV. I'm tired of just, you know, tearing people's heart, vows apart, and with all these sad stories. And I don't want to just point the finger, this, this is what's wrong, and they're the blame. I'm about solutions. That's where I'm at with it. What can I do to make it better? I know what's wrong. What can I do to make it better? That's where I'm at as a human being today. And this doc gave me that opportunity to go out into the world and find people who are in the community making a difference, like this judge in Toledo, Ohio, like this organization called the ONS in Richmond, California. You know, there's a lot of good people doing a lot of good things in the community with not a lot of money, no famous people in their pocket, no high-ranking politicians on in their Rolodex, just grassroots, and it's making a difference in very heavily crime-infected communities. So I'm very proud to shine light on situations like that and, you know... I'm in Atlanta working on the new Superfly movie with two amazing young brothers, Jason Mitchell and Trevor Jackson. You may know Jason from Australia uh, Compton, and he's on The shy right now, and Jason Mitchell from Gronish. Those two young men, they lifted my spirits in a way. Being in this business, I've kind of gotten to the point where you know, I just want to show up, do the work, and go home. I get in, I, I'm polite to everyone, I do my job, I go home. These two young brothers, man, they have really made me excited to be in the business again and be with them just these days young and just getting into it and me being around them. It kind of gave me that new feeling of what it feels like to be in the business young and doing good work. So
0: You light up when you talk about it. It's, yeah. it's awesome, man. Yeah. You're talking about your foundation and the documentary and stuff, and it's like, that's superhero work. For the people who can't thank you right now, that's amazing.
1: It's really interesting, the themes that You're speaking on like the concept of teamwork and being a team player and how that relates to being an actor, but then also a journalist in your work with Vice or as a documentarian on shining light on different things. What is the common thread in all of that? Is there a specific skill set that you feel like is
2: required for all of those different roles? You said one of them just now. Number one is teamwork. Mm -hmm. You're only as good a team you put around you. And I'm very proud of the team producers I have. From Viceland, from Black Market to this documentary, from David Lavin to Matt Horowitz, Tim Chancy, I got a great team, man, that that Shane put around me, and I'm very grateful for them. And they all are experts in what they do. For me, what I bring to the table is plain old, simple, old-fashioned, just honesty. Mm. I honestly care about the people that I'm talking to. And I look for ways, I look for ways to identify right. like. So how do I understand? Like, I know what that feels like. I may not have done exactly that, but when I was doing this, I know what that, that made me feel the same way you're feeling now. And that automatically opens up the door for a level of connection that, you know, I try not to come in, tell me your business. It's not about that. I I come in looking to find ways I can tell you, like, I've been there too. It takes their guard down, you know, there's a connection there. And that's the same connection that I look for. With my coworkers, you know, whether the actor has been doing it before me or not. For instance, I was working with Paul Hunter. We worked on a project with a very well known artist, like an icon in the business, actually. He's new to acting. So Paul was like, you know, Mike, just be patient, and, you know, and just, you know, just work with him. And I'm like, you know, Paul, I says, that's not the way I work. I says, you know, this thing is about connection, it's about honesty, you know, and whoever gets the other person to the outlet first. Plugs it in. You know, it's current. It's energy. It's, there's no, I've been doing it longer. You might be actually, to this particular role, in this particular setting, you might be closer to the outlet than I am. Whoever gets there first plugs the other person in. If we're not connected on the same level, the whole scene looks like crap. So I come in and I always look for the connection, the common denominator that makes us the same, whether mm. it's in my journalism, whether it's on the set, whether it's on the stage. I look for the what, what makes us the same, what makes us feel human, humanly the same. And that's what I always look for. That mixed with empathy and compassion and dignity. I don't care how degenerate the character is to how much of a menace the character may seem to society. I'm going to always play that character like someone's child. Mm. You know that old saying... That kid has a face only a mother could love. (laughs) I'm going to look for that mother.
0: (laughs) Speaking of of characters who have such depth, could be menaces, I remember you talked about, it's like you're putting on your Spider-Man mask when you were getting into your Omar role. Or you were, for Chalky, like you were more of like an Iron Man vibe. When Uh you're playing (laughs) Leonard, do you have like sort of that vibe, that character moment, that different vibe for your brain?
2: Yeah, Leonard is more like um, Deadpool. Uh, Yeah, that is more of a Deadpool kind of guy, you know? I can see that he's a little, yeah, little, a, little uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a little unruly, a little yeah. crazy, a little, a little uh, yeah, half cocked, but it's good. Yeah, like half cocked, the. and there's a darkness to him, you know, yeah. underneath the humor. Even with Deadpool, you know, he's hurt, he's in pain, and he, that comedy that's his defense for the pain, for the anger, because underneath that, oh well, he, there's a lot of anger <laughs> under there, and you know, let it kind of has a little bit of that going on.
0: Great source material as well from Joe Arlanso. Shows now on Sundance TV. Yes, sir, check it out. My Michael, where can fans find you on social media?
2: I have an Instagram. I got a Twitter and they're both the same. BKBMG. That stands for the Brooklyn Boy Makes Good. That's pretty much me in a nutshell. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we'll find out about the doc from your Twitter and your Instagram. Great. Awesome. Thanks That's for fun. coming by again. Thank you, man. How good is that interview? Wasn't Tucker a superstar, everybody? <laughs> Michael K.
1: Williams is the nicest, best guy. I know,
0: yeah. Yeah. All right, now it is time for the community section where we take your questions and comments. Reminder, you can use the hashtag This Week in Marvel on Twitter, get them to us, or you can email us at twimpodcast at marvel.com. We've got two emails after all the tweets, first couple of tweets. At Andrew Lantern says, you guys rock so much, I couldn't get by without you. If my wife asks your old school chums, LOL, quick question, how many times do you read an issue to enjoy it and how many times to really understand it? Is three or four a bad thing? I only read a book once full through. I think I go through an issue two or three times for my notes and and figuring out, you know, the pieces that I love the most. You're also
1: reading 20 comics a week right <laughs> so it's it's hard to to read one individual one yeah so many times
0: 20 comics a week plus any other <laughs> yeah. things that i'm working on yeah, yeah. research and various other banana stuff so it is not a bad thing to no. read a comic several times you know, i
1: completely relate to that yeah. yeah Yeah, diving deep into it and kind of understanding I, I i love being able to know a story and then pick out the moments that are kind of inserted in as you go and kind of view it holistically
0: yes at Brian Strenko tweeted this is my favorite thread we don't have all the <laughs> tweets here from Brian but Brian and I were tweeting back and forth because he said "Agent M, H&M, I'm a recent This weekend Marvel subscriber but I started at the beginning I'm currently listening to Strami in episode 99 digging your show so far and sorry I didn't find it years ago Brian I told you this when we were tweeting you will not hear this for quite a long time <laughs> but I leave this message like a little time capsule yeah yeah uh I hear you. And I appreciate it. This is one of the fun things about that I never expected for this show to do yeah. is for people to go back and listen because it's so much connected to what is happening at any given time. Yes, right. there's a lot of us, what our lives were like, what Marvel was like, experiences, the interviews, all those things were happening and, and in the shows. But when someone goes back and listens to, let's be honest- very poorly done episodes <laughs> at the beginning, poorly produced. We didn't understand sound. We were sort of, you know, talking through paper cups yeah, across yeah. wires. Yeah, with like a string Yeah, <laughs> through it. Uh, it was not well done. So I appreciate you powering through, and I appreciate all the listeners who've stuck with us to get to the point where we are now, where hopefully we sound a little bit better and we, we were a little bit more organized. The Strami episode thing makes me so happy because – Strami, who is now, he's studying law in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. He has this thick Minnesota accent, and he says episode. Oh, right. Uh, Like, instead of episode, he only can say episode. (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah, that's where he was. That's great. Yeah, it's really good. So thank you, Brian. Always feel free to tweet me, uh, and use the hashtag This Week in Marvel if you wanted them included in our tweets that we pull in. At N-K-O-A-S, Michael says... Glossy sausage feels legit gross to type. Agreed. Which is 100% the point of why I chose it. The best were some of the pictures. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, people like really gross pictures of like cooked sausages.
1: I'm going to stay away from that. Yeah, you should.
0: Uh, And he also says, fun fact, Sideways, which we mentioned in last week's episode, stars two Spider-Man
1: villains. Right. So there's Sandman. Yep. Right. And... Rhino. Paul Giamatti. Oh, yeah. Wow. It took me a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot that he was right. Yeah. (laughs) Wow.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. At Commander Socket, Joshua says, page four of Gwenpool number 25 talks about sharing a moment in the book with someone in February 2018 or June 2018 or 2023. So I wrote a letter to my niece, Alexis, and left it on page four so we can share that moment on her graduation day in 2034. And Joshua has uh, shared this picture of him with the the comic and the, his happy graduation day note, and this is like the most heartwarming thing. Yeah. That's so sweet in the world. Yeah, Joshua, you should also share this with Heather Antos. She's left. She was the the editor on the book, or with the writer Christopher Hastings. I, I think they would both love and appreciate how that affected you Absolutely. And, and how you're taking it. Because that, that that's one of those things about comics. It's like they connect to people in different ways. And when they do like this, it means so much. So thank you for sharing that with us. Let's please share that with Heather and with Christopher. Yeah. And and Joshua also says, quote, of all the Avengers, there's never been one smarter, more full of hope. There's never been one braver. And he says, we don't deserve Nadia Pym. You know what? I'm going to say we do deserve Nadia Pym. She's great. <laughs> we earned it. We earned an amazing character <laughs> yeah, like I, Nadia I Pym. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Simon Williams commenting on my controversial wow. comments about I agree. Gambit. It was huge.
1: Yeah. Crazy news.
0: Tore up the internet. Yeah. The best part was Kelly Kelly Thompson sharing yeah. it out and, yeah. and like being gleeful <laughs> yeah. of how she has infected me with this venom yeah. of enjoying yeah, yeah. Gambit. And so Simon says, listening to This Week of Marvel 332, hearing Agent M say he's starting to warm up to Gambit is something I never thought I'd hear. Kelly Thompson deserves an Eisner Award for that alone. Something else I never thought I'd hear. Is glossy sauce <laughs> so it's good he got everything circle, in there yeah. it was great uh thank you simon now we also had our question of the week last week, which was, "What are your favorite moments from Marvel's Agents of Shield?" We got a ton of responses. We'll see what we can do. I mean, there's a bevy yeah. of tweets here in our email, so we're gonna run down them pretty quick. Captain Rogers forty four says his favorite Agents of Shield moment is the Shield Uprising arc from the end of season one. His most emotional moment was the spies goodbye to Bobby and Hunter, and also Shield one hundred was an amazing moment in its own right. Again, bringing me to tears. Those were things we see. Over and over again yeah. uh, of what people loved, especially now Shield 100 coming out and that being so so monumental and important for the show and the characters. At Gemma Simon Z, Sarah says favorite moment is the FitzSimmons scene in season four, episode fifteen, when they're trying to figure out who the LMD is. Amazing performances from Ian and Elizabeth.
1: At Sean X Madden says Quake Wick,
0: great direction on that yeah, one. Yeah, 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 when yeah. she just went.
1: Punkers. uh with a really awesome gif at spider mouths says fitz and hunter arguing about liverpool and man united that one speaks to me in a big way because i'm a big soccer fan are you yeah you
0: <laughs> it's like you're like an onion tucker we're getting into it
1: going back the layers anyway
0: so I'm, I'm sure you're excited for this summer's
1: big uh soccer goblet of the <laughs> m- mundo <laughs> goblet of mundo <laughs> at M. Crooked L. Lettery says, my favorite Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. moment include uh, Ward is Hydra, May versus Agent 33, Daisy's Daredevil meets John Wick Warner, uh, Yo-Yo's Quicksilver moment, Framework Coulson's monologue, and 4,722 hours, and the diner scene in Season 4. So many so many great moments in there. At Endora Sanderson says, the L&B Fitzsimmons scene in self-control is up there for sure. At Fred Martin Campo says, there are lots of great moments in the current and previous seasons, but the Agents of Hydra arc in season four is still on top of my list keep up the awesome work agents yeah my buddy Wombat at new Wombat says the
0: evolution of Fitz from lab nerd to hero the big reveal when he shows up in the future and was not only a cool twist but a confirmation of his evolution as a character yeah Fitz man if you think about it though all the characters have had such great oh yeah evolutions it's really cool at Lulu watches TV she says Fitzsimmons wedding Fitzsimmons pod scene all Fitzsimmons kisses every Fitzsimmons moment (laughs) I believe Lou really enjoys Fitzsimmons. Yeah, yeah. Rhonda underscore W4 says, season two, episode four, of course, May and Coulson dancing. At Somebody's Chelsea says, fave moments are scenes that show how the team has become a true family, refusing to give up on each other, hanging out in the quiet moments, teasing and the nicknames, figuring out problems together, etc." Also, any scenes between Felinda. I adore every facet of their ship. I love it because that is both so deep into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. lingo yeah. and also Internet speak. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> Philinda is Phil Colson uh-huh. and Melinda May. Right. And the people who ship them put them together as a couple. A relationship. Yes. Oh. Okay. Call them Philinda. Wow. Nice. It's great. At Dirty Lash says, my favorite moment is when Clark Gregg got his robot arm. Oh, yeah.
1: At Bucky Capt says, this amazing one-shot fight scene from season two. Firmly cementing Daisy as one of the most badass characters in the Marvel universe. Lots of love for that scene and for that shot in particular. And Yover Sand comes back again, says, it feels like it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. The moment when Sky becomes Daisy slash Quake and gets her powers, absolutely one of the best.
0: That's also so heartbreaking because we lost a character in the same time that Quake becomes Quake. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Oof. At Wim Said Mojo says, uh, so many moments I can't even remember them. Oh, and the farewell of Agent Hunter and Bobby. I think I cried at that moment.
0: I can't blame you. I know. C. Sandy Run says, my favorite part of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was being introduced to Daisy Johnson slash Quake. Since the show started, I got back into comics and now she's one of my favorite characters. And uh, throws in a little glossy sausage for us. (laughs) Thank you, Sandy.
1: At Dill underscore key underscore Rainey says the fifth Simmons scene's at the bottom of the ocean. Who knows if I've missed anything since because I definitely died after that <laughs> until March 9th, 2018, when the wedding resurrected me. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That is,
0: that is one of my favorite tweets. Thank you, <laughs> yeah. Rainey. Sophia Sun 55, our friend from Spain, says Simmons shooting Sitwell. Quote, I definitely shot Agent Sitwell. Good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: At HW View says so many moments to choose. Trip dying, Ward is Hydra, Colson as Ghost Rider. Fury saving Fitz and Simmons, uh, Migna fighting herself in a silver dress, best fight sequence, May, Colson, Fitz, and Mac in Miami versus the Watchdogs.
0: Hell yeah, that's hey, a lot. Ward. Last tweet is from Captain EMT6 says, I think my favorite part of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is when we see Ghost Rider show up for the first time. The scene with the Hell Charger getting hit with an RPG like it was nothing is right out of the book, which I thought was amazing. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, but we still got more. Two emails came in, one from our friend Metalord52Workshop. His name is Carver, and he says, Twim forever. Hey, guys, I was going to pick a comic to get people into Marvel. I would actually start with the 90s X-Men show. It's what got me into Marvel in the first place, and I still watch it today, even though I'm only 13. Huh. It doesn't just jump right in. It gives you a deep look at the characters so you understand them completely, and the villains have amazing backstories and are completely relatable, except for Sauron. Man, I hate that guy. Mm-hmm. Carver, Sauron is a giant dinosaur man, and he's <laughs> a jerk. What is not to love about Sauron? I mean, I, I... I I love Sauron. Yeah. Anyway, Carver continues saying, I would choose this if someone was getting it to Marvel because it got me fired up for Marvel and it might get other people fired up for it too. Twim of the Week is Infinity Countdown number one. I love Groot and I feel like none of the comics have ever done him complete justice, but this issue killed it. Has Groot been shown healing people before? I believe we've seen Groot healing people, Carver. I also would say that there's a great Groot series written by Jeff Loveness, art by Brian Kessinger, and some other folks that is fantastic. Highly suggest it if you like Groot. And Carver finishes up by saying, hope Alex is feeling better. He is. Great. Yeah. Terrific. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, Carver. And we got a long email from one of our longest listeners, Rafa B. Raphael emails us saying, I remember back in 2012... When the series was rumored to be in development, he's talking about his Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. memories. Mm-hmm. When the series was rumored to be in development, I was so excited, especially when I heard Colson. Who died in the movies would be back. I remember all the theories we had about Coulson's resurrection. If the names given for the cast were just code names, etc. And he's just—he's going through. He's like season one had his ups and downs. And when I saw Captain America: Winter Soldier in theaters, I was worried the show wouldn't survive, but it did. And in what a way! The season finale was memorable between the blooming love between Fitzsimmons, Nick Fury guest starring, and the action scenes. Season two was a great introduction to the Inhumans and brought some amazing new characters, such as Bobby and Hunter, obviously, but also Lincoln and the reveal of who Sky really was. That was something. He says season three gave us Hive and Lash, but we also had to say goodbye to so many amazing actors. And season four with Ghost Rider and the framework had the best story arc for me, he says. last arc was really nicely timed with Secret Empire. And now the fifth season. The part in space, excellent. And that 100th episode is an immediate classic. I hope we'll get to see even more seasons in the future. The show is one of the best currently on air. And then Raph comes in with great suggestions saying, hey, could we make, quote, best memory of Bendis and, quote, best memory of slots run on Spider-Man as questions of the week in the future? Nice. I think those are both great. Tucker, I'm going to ask you when we know we're going to have the last Bendis-penned comic. Yeah, 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 Let me know when that is. Sure. And let's time that out. Let's do that as our question yeah, of the week. that's a great question. And then in June... When we have the end of Dan Slott's Spider-Man run, let's do you yeah. know your favorite Dan Slott Spider-Man moments. Oh. I also want to get Dan in here. Oh yeah, for that. Oh yeah, there's going to be some
1: tough questions to answer. Yes. Yeah.
0: You can get a free subscription to Stitcher Premium to listen to Marvel's Wolverine: The Long Night. So I implore you to do it. Our question of the week is going to be: What do you think of Wolverine: The Long Night so far? Yeah. Tell us what you're what you're thinking, what you love, what you want more of, and where you're listening to it. I want to. Share that with producer Dan Fink. We want to talk about it here on the show next week. That's our question of the week. We'll be back with more uh, in a week. Yeah. I keep saying week. <laughs> we need another word for week. Um, uh, Half a fortnight? Yeah. yeah. We'll be back in half a fortnight. <laughs> yeah. This is Marvel. Your universe.